Hello and welcome to another episode of NICE Talks. I'm Matthew Brown, a member of NICE's media team. In this episode we're going to be looking back at our biggest achievements this year and what we're most looking forward to in the year ahead. We'll be joined by NICE Chief Executive Professor Gillian Leng and Dr Mark Cruiser, the Chair of the NICE Diagnostics Advisory Committee. Thank you both for joining. The first question is for you, Jill. It's been another eventful and busy year in the health and social care landscape, and for NICE. What has stuck out for you in particular? Yes, it has indeed been a really busy year for NICE, but obviously for the health and care system in general, as we've carried on working through the pandemic and and the recovery. But for me, the most important thing for NICE has been the launch of our five-year strategy, which was at the beginning of April. That's really central to the organisation and to the way we want to work and how we want to develop what we do and how we present it to our audiences. So that's definitely the standout moment. Of course, we've also been busy in the background. We've issued more than 130 pieces of guidance, the first new drug for sickle cell disease in 20 years, and the first injectable long-acting drugs for HIV. So MASSIS has been going on and we've been consulting on new methods and processes for how we evaluate medicines. So that's been a massive piece of work and will lay the foundations for the future. Mark, you've chaired the Diagnostics Advisory Committee since 2017. How do you reflect on the robust and autonomous way the independent committees operate at NICE? Well, I should start by saying it has been a great privilege to chair such an experienced and talented committee. I I believe the role of such committees is critical for the work of NICE, and really without them I think NICE would not be able to achieve the quality of guidance currently being developed particularly with reference to NHS practice and patients. The Diagnostics Advisory Committee has 22 standing committee members with a range of expertise, including lay members. The committee is joined by up to eight specialist committee members who are selected for a particular topic, and they become part of the full committee for decision-making purposes, and they bring additional expertise and experience of the relevant care pathway and are really able to help the committee to consider all the relevant issues, including how the evidence applies very specifically to NHS care and patients, thereby ensuring that the most appropriate guidance is provided for the NHS. In addition, I would like to emphasize the committees, not only the Diagnostics Advisory Committee, but all committees cannot do their work without the extensive support, guidance and hard work of the NICE technical teams. And often this work is ongoing in the background, but without this happening, the committees cannot function. And then finally, we've also got the independence of the external assessment groups, which provide the evidence evaluations for the committees to consider. So that whole element is also supported by the processes NICE have established and for consistency and transparency purposes. So on the whole, I think we do have a very robust and autonomous way of operating as a committee. And Jill, as someone who sat at the top table for NICE for the last two decades, it would be good to get your perspective on the importance of how NICE makes its decisions. That's a really great question because the how really matters. What NICE fundamentally does is take evidence, whether that's evidence of how well something works or how cost effective something is, and we translate that into a recommendation for the healthcare system. And how we do that 
is why NICE has stood the test of time. And fundamentally, we do that fairly, openly, transparently, following a process that people have been able to engage in through a consultation. And that whole process is sometimes quite time consuming, but actually it can be really complex in some clinical areas. So fundamentally, it's that open, transparent process that people can engage in, that stakeholders can comment on as we go forwards and through the independent committee process. Those independent committees can't be understated in any way. They provide us with a perspective that reflects the external environment. They provide us with expertise and closely checked for conflicts of interest. So that's what I mean about it's a fair process. We listen to those independent committees and then we consult with stakeholders. So those are the important things that NICE does in providing recommendations for the wider system. And back to you, Mark. The Diagnostic Advisory Committee has been involved in some important work in the last year. Are there any particular highlights for you? Whilst our work programme has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm really pleased the committee has been able to develop guidance for Lynch syndrome testing for patients with endometrial cancer. Lynch syndrome is an inherited condition which increases the risk of certain types of cancer. And testing allows the offer of surveillance to reduce the risks of further cancer for patients, but also importantly, allows genetic testing to be offered to relatives to prevent or detect cancers earlier. And this particular guidance was very well received by the clinical community and patient groups, and I understand is being implemented around England. It's also really interesting that that particular guidance was notified uh, to NICE by clinicians who felt it was really important that NICE produce diagnostic guidance to support implementation. And secondly, I was also very pleased that the committee developed guidance on implantable cardiac monitors to detect atrial fibrillation after certain types of stroke, because this really enabled appropriate treatment to prevent further strokes and disability for patients. Returning with a question for you, Jill, where do you see NICE's position in the healthcare landscape in the next five years? Can you explain what value you think the organisation brings? I absolutely hope that NICE remains front and central to the healthcare landscape in the next five years. And as part of developing NICE's strategy, that was very much the horizon that we had in mind. What did NICE need to do to continue to be relevant and important to the healthcare system during that time frame? And there's a couple of important things that came out of that thinking and is reflected in our strategy. One relates to guidelines. Guidelines are the core resource that frontline practitioners should be referring to in their day-to-day work. And to make them relevant, we need to do two things over the next five years. One is to make sure they are regularly updated so they reflect all the new evidence and all the new research so they really are living guidelines. And the second thing as part of that updating is to integrate new technologies that we've recommended very quickly so they're part of that care pathway. There's so much changing, there's so much new research, there are so many new products that it really is impossible as an individual practitioner to keep up to date with everything. So a living guideline is crucial to the system. But the second thing is to make sure that we've got the capacity and the approaches right for evaluating all the new medical technologies and digital products as they come to market. And that means we need to be more flexible and adaptable in the approaches we use. 
In particular, we're thinking about what we call a contingent approval for digital technologies, which means that we will be able to give a partial approval to products when they look promising so that they can be used in the system with the proviso that there's data collection so that in a year or two we can review it and confirm whether or not they really represent good value for the healthcare system. So lots for nice to do but absolutely ending up with nice remaining central to the healthcare landscape. And Mark, it would be good to get your perspective on what you believe are the key benefits that NIFE brings to the healthcare system. I think the key benefits include evidence-based guidance and advice for health and public health and social care practitioners, the production of quality standards and implementation support for those providing and commissioning health, public health and social care services. And these whole range of products are needed to improve the safety and quality of care for the population. But it is also about contributing to equitable access to care and reducing health inequalities, as well as improving efficiency of services. So a really quite a range of ambitious objectives that I think NICE is addressing, but also importantly supporting innovation and considering the application of our ever-increasing research results and products. During and post-pandemic, I think the work of NICE is undoubtedly going to be more important than ever. We know and we're experiencing a backlog of care. There's a need to do more with current resources, increasing complex technologies and care pathways, the greater move to more personalised care and care in the community. These all are important developments that will need to be addressed and I can only see NICE as being in the best position to do that through its range of work programmes and this is also reflected as Jill has said in, in her NICE strategy and I think it will be the important vehicle to address these challenges in the future. And stay with you Mark, the Diagnostic Advisory Committee has some interesting digital topics coming up for you and your colleagues to appraise in the coming year. Do these types of topics present the committee with a new challenge? We're really excited by our work programme with the fact that we have a number of digital topics coming up for committee consideration over the next year. For example, we have AI-assisted technologies for brain and lung imaging and six lead ECGs for monitoring cardiac health in people having antipsychotic medication. And these are highly applicable, affecting significant populations, and the value propositions for these are very exciting. In terms of the challenge for the committee, I think the committee has had experience of digital products. To my mind, I think the challenge is perhaps less for the committee, but more for the evaluation of evidence and the specific regulatory issues, and we're beginning to encounter that. This is a very fast developing area, and NICE has this as a priority, and also has developed evidence standards for the evaluation of digital health technologies, and working with other agencies and experts with ongoing methodology support. And I think that is really going to be essential. What is going to be critical, which is the issue of contingent approval, which I think is a very important development that will be particularly relevant for the digital technologies we're going to consider, because the evidence base and the information required required to come to a conclusion with regards to some of these technologies is going to be the challenge. And I think how that's addressed is going to be critical for us to move forward and be able to implement the right technologies that are digital in nature for the improvement of patient care. And the final question of the episode goes to you, Jill. The year ahead will see considerable change. You'll be moving on from NICE after more than 20 years in the spring. In what position do you feel you leave the organisation? 
I joined NICE in 2001 to set up the clinical guidelines programme. We hadn't established the collaborating centres formally at that point. We hadn't published a single guideline. So I was really excited to take on that role and clinical guidelines, guidelines now in public health and social care, have provided so much value to the system that being part of that is what I am most proud of. And with the new strategy in place, with a great team, with a great set of people, I think the organisation is in a really good position. There are lots of challenges, particularly in the external environment, the NHS recovering. We hope from the pandemic with inequalities, with funding pressures and also internal challenges for NICE as well, because change is never easy and to deliver that strategy will require organisational change at a technical level and the way people work. But all of that is important to make sure what we do remains relevant. So I will be wishing everybody all the best, particularly my successor as I leave next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. If you've enjoyed this episode, please recommend it to a friend or colleague and hit subscribe to keep up to date with our regular podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle at NiceComs. Thank you for joining us. From all of us at Nice, we wish you a safe and happy holiday season and a lovely new year.